good. So this is chapter 22, religious worship and the Sabbath day. Like I say, we probably, I think we're going to have enough to talk about here in this first section that we will stick here for a while. But, um, so I just want to read that chapter, I mean that section, paragraph, and then um, we'll, we'll sort of talk through a few of these things and um, maybe have some good discussion. I think this is very, very important. As I mentioned last week, or the week before, and I kind of jokingly mentioned a few minutes ago, it's, it's awesome and, and without, with intention that this chapter followed the, the chapter 21 on um, freedom of conscience and liberty of conscience because now we're going to talk about a, a practical application of that, especially uh, when we talked about uh, the fact that no, one ha- no man has a right to uh, cause you to believe something that's not expressly written in Scripture. And so we're going to see that now with this first section and these things we're going to talk about. So it says, The light of nature demonstrates that there is a God. This is pretty much chapter 1 of Romans. The light of nature demonstrates that there is a God who has lordship and sovereignty over all things. He is just and good and does good to everyone. Therefore, he should be feared, loved, praised, called on, trusted in, and served with all the heart and all the soul and all the strength. But the acceptable way to worship the true God is instituted by him, and it is delimited by his own revealed will. Thus he may not be worshipped according to human imagination or inventions or suggestions of Satan, nor through any visible representations, nor in any other way that is not prescribed in the Holy Scriptures. Now, I want to point out because uh, this was pointed out to me, and I think it's very important. Um, i got to find it, though. Um, well, just six, uh, chapter 1, this, this is, a lot of this is based on chapter 1 and just the idea that, um, you know, God and his sovereignty has revealed things to us and we have no right to act outside of um, what God has revealed to us or make up things opposite, contrary to the word and so forth. So, um, anyways, we'll, we'll probably look back at that later, chapter 1, if you get a chance, you can look at that and see that. But, some very interesting language here. Um, I think it, the light of nature, this whole phraseology, straight, like I said, from Romans chapter 1, just there is a God. I mean, you can't, people can't look at nature. They do, they try to, but Romans 1 says all they're doing is suppressing the truth in, in unrighteousness. They know the truth. There's no way to see everything that happens and not believe there's a God. We call that sort of just uh, general revelation, right? We talked about that. Everybody has this. Everybody can look out and see there's a God. Um, and Romans 1 says, therefore, men is without excuse. There is a God. General revelation proves that. But we also have talked about the fact that general, revela- general revelation is not enough to bring somebody to salvation, right? Because... There is a God, okay. What? So what? Then you need uh, special 
revelation, particular revelation, whatever you want to, however you want to call it, divine revelation that is special, that through the gospel and through the preaching of the word of God, who that God is and what he's done is, is revealed, right? And then God himself, by his spirit, through his word, reveals to you that this is, this is the God that you're, you can't explain. He's right here in the scriptures. And so the same is true for worship. What they're, what, what they're saying here is that because there is a God and because just uh, the light of nature, that's the same as saying general re- revelation. <clears throat> I don't know why I can't say that, but general revelation. My tongue's getting in my way. There is a God, and that's enough by itself to determine that he's good and that he should be feared, loved, praised, called on, trusted in, and served with all the heart, soul, and strength. So just like uh, general revelation is enough to prove there is a God, it's also enough to prove that he ought to be worshipped. Science call it intelligent design. Yeah, some people refer to it intelligent yeah. design. So yep. they've got some recognition that there's something there. Yes. But... As, as somebody pointed out, though general revelation and the light of nature is enough to teach us that God should be worshipped, specific, particular revelation, divine revelation, special revelation is needed for us to know how he should be worshipped. He needs to be worshipped, no doubt. But how he's to be worshipped comes from a particular uh, special revelation. And... Um, there's so much here that is said, but um, it kind of just defines itself. And worship can be defined like this. Feared, we fear God, we love Him, we praise Him, we call on Him, we trust in Him, and we serve Him. All things that we should learn about in worship, right? And that we should learn about from teaching and preaching. This is what we teach about. This is what we preach about. And uh, we want to do this with our heart and all our heart, soul, and strength, which is what Jesus commanded. Of course, we know we can't do that perfectly, but we learn that that's what we are to do. But more importantly, we learn we learn from the scriptures that God has instituted, put forth the way He is to be worshipped. And they use this word, or it's translated this way, and He's also delimited. In other words, he's not only demonstrated how he should be worshipped, he's also demonstrated how he should not be worshipped. He's put those both forth for us. Therefore, he cannot or he may not be worshipped according to one, human imagination. Now I read a lot of ways to define this. This would be anything that the human mind could think of. Any kind of golden calf, Buddha, any kind of statue, any kind of thing you could even dream up in your mind. You don't have to build it. Anything that you can imagine. Um, now, it's funny that uh, even some of, the read, some of the stuff I read from a lot of uh, like Puritans, they discuss, well, you know what, when we're worshiping God or praying to him, it's human nature to imagine what he looks like. We can't stop ourselves from doing that, right? We have this image. And they say, but 
we ought to even repent of those images because nothing we could think of or imagine and build in our brains will compare to what God's really like. So they acknowledge that, hey, we all do this, but don't do it because God's not to be worshipped according to human imagination. And we certainly shouldn't do, as many humans have done throughout the ages, take what's imagined in our brains and build it and then worship that, right? Or even worship God through that. Because if you remember, that's exactly what the Israelites did when Moses went up on the mountain and came back down. They built a golden calf. But they weren't worshiping the golden calf. They were saying, we're worshiping the God who brought us out of Egypt. And they imagined up the golden calf to worship him through something. I don't know. It's wild. So human imaginations or inventions, which again, anything... um, Anything that people can de- de- come up, any devices. Now it's interesting if you read uh, if you read even old old Baptists, but certainly Puritans. I mean, so much of what's brought into church these days, man, they would have kicked it out and burned it. I mean, anything. You know, they they're very they're very, and we're going to talk about this idea of regulative principle principle before we leave. But they're very, uh, you know, staunch about that. If you can't open the Bible and show me this is how God's called us to worship, then don't be bringing that into church. And they pointed out all kinds of, um, all kinds of stuff. I wish I could find this little um, quote here. Maybe I can. Oh, this is it. This is a this is a Baptist that said this about that. Imagine, I mean, uh, inventions. Antichrist, he would bring in altogether carnal things. He would add a hundred inventions of his own as building sumptuous temples, railing in of the communion tables and then turning them into altars and such kind of apish gestures, foolish garments, heathenish music, heathenish music, all which was carnal worship the devices of men to please children and fools with, exceedingly much against the very life and soul of godliness and the only rule of worship in the word of God. So you can decide for yourself what um, inventions of men is. That's what they thought it was. <laughs> kind of anything that men could think up and do in the church that you couldn't find in the Bible, they didn't like it. Yeah, and apish, they used words that... Uh, Apish gestures, foolishness, heathenistic. Um, and then the next thing is, uh, now this one's kind of a little while, suggestions of Satan. Now, it seems that this is not necessarily them thinking that the devil was, you know, sitting up here whispering in your ear, hey, try to do this in church or whatever. But it's more like, seeing something in the world and then trying to incorporate it into the church. Seeing that that which is in the world and entertainment and uh, you know tickling people's fancies, that's of Satan. And then you try to bring that into the church, that would be a suggestion of Satan. So not that you know the devil's whispering in the preacher's ear to do stuff that they shouldn't. But anyways, um, and then, of course, visible rep- representation would be, we've kind of already talked about that, but sort of the same thing. Anything, any way of devising what God looks like. Um, but, and, and, of course, they reference Exodus 20. Um, don't run away. Went away. 
four through six, uh, the, 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 of the Ten Commandments, you shall not make for yourself any carved image, any likeness of anything that's in heaven above, or that's on earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them and serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Right? And um, so, you know, any kind of pictures, artist renditions of God or Jesus, none of that stuff would have been allowed into worship, right? And, and I think that's why we, uh, man, I hadn't even got to the uh, nativity sets yet, and he's already walking out. <laughs> but I, that's, uh, it's one of the reasons I'm, I've been very careful, um, and I did this even when I was um, at a previous church, took down stuff like that, because I think it's very serious. I mean, um, now, I mentioned nativities, and we can have that discussion. You know, we have some nativities in our house. Um, we don't worship Mary Joseph or the camels or any of those things. Uh, a lot of times we don't even put the little baby Jesus out there, even though it's just a little, we got one that looks like a weeble wobble, so that doesn't represent much of anything, you know. But, um, you know, some people are very, um, that can go in a lot of different degrees. And I think uh, in your home, that's a decision you got to make. I think in the church, especially the more coming together to whatever place we've set aside to worship God, we need to be careful there's not images of what we think God is, right? Um, and again, I, the, Ten Command, the, the Second Commandment is very clear. Uh, you don't make these things, and certainly you don't bow down to them. So... Um, and, you know, I know, I know people who have pictures of, of uh, uh, artists understanding of Jesus. They don't bow down in front of that picture and worship it. But um, those are kind of things you got to... I'm not here to try to tell you how to do all that stuff at your house. You, you know, you got to decide that stuff. But I think it is important because what we're talking about here is worship specifically. And when the people of God come together to worship... Um, that these are things that are not to be, uh, certainly not to be a part of worship. Now, of course, again, they are battling, they're, they're fighting against Roman Catholic worship and all the relics and all the idols and idolatry and the things that, that, that were going on then. And so that's why they've got this in here. Because it says, um, nor in any other way that is not prescribed in the Holy Scriptures. Which brings us to this idea of well, what do we do at worship and what do we not do? And this term, I, I'm just giving it to you so you'll be familiar with it, it's called the regulative principle and that is basically the belief that what's being put forth here, what happens at worship? Only that which is prescribed in the Bible. Right? So, we have to be very careful that that's what we do. And we try to, I certainly try to make sure that that's what we're doing uh, when we're here because I think that is, um, I think that's what God's called us to, to worship according to the way he has um, called us to worship and, and put forth in the Bible. We're gonna look at some of these things um, a little more specifically. But the, the idea of the regulative principle uh, came from 
the the Puritans, and they were kind of battling against the Anglican Church um, because in the Anglican Church, this is what they believed about worship. The church hath power to decree rites or ceremonies and authority in the controversies of the faith. Yet it is not lawful for the church to ordain anything contrary to God's word written. However, the, uh, the, the Puritans come along and say something a little different. And I wrote this, I, I, I drew this out because I've got it here. To make sense of it, this is the, this is the Anglican view here. And I put modern church because I think this is a lot where modern church is too. Okay, what is, what is true worship? Anything that uh, is commanded and anything not expressly forbidden. Does that make sense? So we can do anything that the Bible says, and if we can't find the Bible telling us not to do it, then it's okay for us to do it. The Puritan view would say true worship is only what is commanded. Only what is commanded. Thing can view again, perhaps most of the modern church. What is false worship then? Well, only what God expressly condemns or what He expressly forbids. Whereas the Puritan view says anything outside of what is commanded, therefore, has to be forbidden. If God hasn't commanded this is how you can worship me, then everything else is forbidden. Does that make sense? So that's basically the regular principle. And I think that, I think this is a very safe place to stay because you can see when you get down to here, it'd be easy to say, well, we can probably do this because I don't find anywhere the Bible says don't do it. Yeah. Right? Because I've had people say this to me before. Well, show me, why, show me where the Bible says don't smoke marijuana. Now, this, had, this is not necessarily worship, but you see, if you can do that, well, you, and of course you can take the Bible and go and, and take principles and say well this is why you should be doing that but the same thing can be done in worship well, we're going to do you know and I could give you some examples but you can go I mean there's there's Baptist church in, in Atlanta that sometimes their intro song to worship is highway to hell and they think and they're they're thing would be well, we're, we're reaching people that are lost this, they understand this music and it's not forbidden in the Bible anywhere that we can't play rock and roll music and that's just some of the stuff um, there's a lot of churches that are doing that kind of thing playing a lot of uh, and some of the music I'm not familiar with I, I just look at it and read the article and I, I look at the dancers and all that kind of stuff too I mean these dancers you know these people that look like they're at a some kind of wild um, pop, you know, concert dancing in such a way that I'm like, there's that's definitely not commanded in scripture, you know. But again, that would be the Puritan view. This view would say, but it's not forbidden. So why can't we do it? And the, and the thing about that is, again, I I think you're in a much safer place to be. Um, we're going to worship God according to what he has commanded. I'm not going to guess at what is okay. I'd rather know what's okay, right? 
So, and when we're talking about worship, because let's think about some of the things that we know. What are some of the things he's commanded? And especially, it'll say in here later, it'll talk about new covenant. Um, in paragraph 6, it talks about now under the gospel, a new covenant worship. So we're talking about specifically, how do we worship according to the New Testament, new covenant? And we know that we know we're supposed to pray, right? We're, we're, we're commanded to pray. We're commanded to preach. We're commanded to baptize. We're commanded to take the supper. Um, we're commanded to admonish one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There are things that we are commanded to do in worship. Confess. Confess. Uh, confess our sins, yes. And I think public reading is one of them. So you can kind of see those are things that we know we're safe. That God, oh, these are things we can go to scripture and see that okay, God has commanded these things about Himself and about worship, right? And so now again, you could say, well, then if He's commanded singing, then you know what kind of singing is it? And of course, some people take. I mean, it says psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And some people, like I think the Westminster in this uh, in this section only says psalms because they're very big on psalmody, you know, only singing psalms. But I, but I think you can, you know, solid music is going to fit in that. Now, you know, I guess again you could say, well, I mean, we're singing. Why does it matter what the songs are? We're doing. We're being obedient to the scriptures and singing. Um, it, it it can kind of get tricky every which way, but you've also got to hope that you want to hold to a um, standard of holiness and this idea that God is good and uh, holy and right, and we need to try to worship Him in that way, right? Instead of just. Uh, throwing something out there and without thinking it through. Um, anybody want to say anything about that? Got any questions about it? I think this there's so many uh, Christian, and I say that in quotations, songs these days and Christian music that is so on the on the verge of being Christian or even uh, well, we were discussing earlier, and I don't want to step on toes or nothing, but the, the Joy FM mm -hmm. has gotten in their place so much that I, they call it Christian music, but I don't consider it Christian music because the theology is absolutely terrible. Well, that's something, the theology, having the, the words, the, the, the meaning of the song. Exactly. That's why I like, when I came here, it was such a, it was such a breath of fresh air to look at the book that, of the songs that we sing here and see actually good theology of uh, sovereign grace and uh, other God. Yeah, rather than singing or I'm going to get in heaven. Yeah, the, the Bethel music. Jane Walls and Glory Rose, huh? <laughs> well, and I think those um, there is a uh, I was trying to go back to see where um, and it may be in this paragraph. Um, we can keep talking. I don't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. Um, 
I was trying to think where I saw. A lot of that is going to be a little wavering because every church doesn't believe the same thing. Yeah. So some of the liberal churches are going to have a little bit more liberal music. Right. They're within their context, but some of the songs that you know, that are considered Christian music now t- today are so subtle. Well, they don't even really. They don't even have God or exactly. Christ in them. We they just. Or about love and embracing, right. and they can either be construed as a Christian song or as a love, love song. song. Yeah. yeah, Jesus like, is my boyfriend. So yeah, that's what yeah. Like as an, just as an example, me and Luke were talking another day about Lauren Daigle being one of those that seems like all her songs could be construed as a love yeah. song or right. a Christian yeah. song. Yeah, they true. never mentioned Jesus. It's Amy just Grant's the same way. Amy Grant, she yeah, a lot one. of the popular. Yeah. Well, and what I, I alluded to this earlier, and I, I, I was getting ahead of myself, but it, back in chapter 1, section 6, this is what we read about um, the whole counsel of God concerning everything essential for his own glory, man's salvation, faith, and life is either explicitly stated or by necessary inference contained in the Holy Scriptures. Nothing is ever to be added to them by new revelation or by the spirit, uh, by new revelation of the Spirit or by human traditions. Nevertheless, we acknowledge that the inward illumination of the Spirit of God is necessary for a saving understanding of what is revealed. We recognize that some circumstances concerning the worship of God and government of the church are common to human actions and organizations and are to be ordered by the light of nature and Christian wisdom, following the general rules of the word, which must always be observed. So that same phrase of general light of wisdom is given to us in the the confession way up in the first chapter saying okay nothing can be done kind of the same regulative principle right nothing can be done it's not commanded in scripture however we do recognize that there are some uh, there's some um, times that the inward illumination of the spirit of God is necessary for understanding the revealed word and we recognize there are some circumstances concerning worship where common human actions and organizations are necessary to be ordered by the light of nature and Christian wisdom. Kind of what we're talking about here. This is where I think this is. Okay, we know we got to sing, so what do we sing? So now, following the general rules of the word, which must always be observed, in the Holy Spirit we determine what we can sing, right? We determine the things we can allow in, things we can not. Because like I said, um, people will say, well, our dancers are here dancing the way they are because that's their that's the way they praise God okay well so you know and you've got to use there's got to be I, I like that it, it point out Christian wisdom because we've got to sit down and there are some things we've got to discern and there's some just some general I mean you know when we when I take prayer requests somebody can say well that's not in the Bible it's not regular principle Okay, well, we're going to pray, so I'm trying to figure out what we're going to pray for. You know, I'm going to use a little bit of Christian wisdom here to figure out how to do that without just guessing. Or, you know, if I make an announcement, I try to put all announcements way at the end so that it doesn't seem like it's a part of worship because it doesn't need to be. Well, you look at Paul's, just about every letter he writes, he kind of concludes every letter with not exactly prayer requests, but he's like, tell so-and-so hello and... Right. And that we're 
framing the coat when you come home. Yeah, exactly. You bring me the scrolls and right. bring the bowl back when you come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't forget that bowl. Did <laughs> you bring the bowl back? <laughs> I've stolen the bowl from here. I'm on the That's good confession. That's a good confession, confession right there. Steve, this is good for the soul. Oh, yeah. Now I get to finally join the church. Now I can the church. I brought the bowl back. Yeah. <laughs> He won't take anything else home, but no, I'm not carrying that. At least it wasn't been missing. He's not going to let me use any of his books. So um, there's a lot more that we could talk about with, um, and I want to kind of, I'm probably going to write some of this out and type it up and give it to you so you can see a more spelled out what does regulative principle look like? Because one of the things, I mean, we're talking about New Testament worship, but... Where do it, we get most of our liturgy from? How does it actually, where is it, is it in Acts? Is it out of the churches? Where, where do we actually see? I mean, I think it's just a combination, you know, of things that Jesus taught, things that he told his disciples, and then things we do see. You know, we see the New Testament, uh, when you see the, the church in Acts breaking bread together, um, Hearing the teaching of the disciples, uh, the apostles, and um, and you know, singing and praying that they do all those things. I think that's I think Acts is probably one of the best places, but also the Gospels. I mean, you know, Jesus is instructing the church how to be after he's gone. Well, it's like we do on Sundays when we have communion and uh, sing Amazing Grace or whatever afterward, because it says that we. They sang praises and then went to the mountain. I guess we should go to the mountain after we leave here. <laughs> right. We need to name a restaurant in the mountain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, uh, and, and going back to the Old Testament, though, which is the foundation of the way we worship, in Deuteronomy chapter 12, in the context of how God should be worshiped, this is what. He says, whatever I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add nor take away from it. And it's very clearly, um, the reason I can't deal with this, too, is because of, if you remember in Leviticus 10, Nadab and Abihu, who offered strange fire. And a lot of times people say, well, they did something they weren't supposed to. Yeah, but when you read the when you read it, it says clearly they offer strange fire before the Lord um, and expounds and in the very next clause it's not fire which God had forbidden it doesn't say they did something that God had forbidden it clearly reads the fire that they offered had not been commanded so they didn't they were going against what had been commanded it hadn't been forbidden but it hadn't been commanded and if you know, they both uh, were zapped dead well, by God. They worshiping true God in the wrong way. They're worshiping God in their own way. Like Abel, Cain and Abel. Yes. And actually, we ain't got there yet, but I want to share this with y'all because so you can think about it. See, you may have already thought about this, but this came to me when I was reading this um, thing. I'm, I'm